Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Um, okay, so let's go forward. So, um, oh, I just wanted, I just went deeper into the brand. So in the retail brand, I, my on-fair is a retail brand, right? Um, I wanted to be the brand. The brand, you know, my name is Brandon, but in this case, I wanted to be the on-fair brand. So I was in every one of these videos that I produced for the company. Every video I'm producing, and I use my kids a lot too, as, as talent. So I pay them as talent for my product videos, demonstration videos, and how-to videos, and YouTube videos, and they're out there as my talent. But the purpose is, is I wanted to, I didn't want to hide behind the brand like I did the first time as this big company. I was hiding behind that brand. I wanted to own it. I wanted to just put my name on it. And so. Um, all of the emails come from me. You know, all of my team in Bangladesh are answering as me, right? I wrote that con content. I wrote the content on the blog post. It's me that these customers are buying from. And that's one way if, you're, if your listeners are wanting to differentiate is don't be afraid to be the brand, be part of the brand. Um, it, it, people, you know, buying and selling is still a human interaction, right, and online. And if you want to sell to people at a higher premium or a higher margin, you've got to give them something more than just a product. You've got to give them an experience. You've got to give them trust. You've got to give them something that uh, they can touch and feel almost. I love that you did all these cool YouTube videos, these how-to ads, and, you know, it was all your brand. And, you know, back then as well, like that was kind of the beginning of people really finding things on YouTube and, um, and I love that you didn't have, they didn't, it didn't have to be perfect. It didn't it's have not, to be like these professional, cool. <laughs> you know, but people have a connection with you because you were bringing value. You were showing them. And I think a lot of um, entrepreneurs, even today, they don't do any videos because it can't, it's not perfect. Right. Or they, they don't, you know, do enough photos or whatever, or they don't kind of get into it because they're worried that it has to be perfect. And really, I think people connect with, uh, with brands sometimes when they're just themselves, you know, when we're just, got to be genuine. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Yep. Yeah. I'm far, far, far from perfect. And, and, and in the beginning I had those same fears, you know, and then I realized over time people would, you know, they appreciated that they trust you more when, when, when you're as real as you possibly can be, you're not, you're not faking it. Um, definitely. And so these are just iterations of my brands over the last 13, 12, 13 years now, you know, on fair was, you know, deal so low, it's funny, you know, where epic parenting wins, entertaining family since 2006, family vacations start here and over 100,000 smiles delivered. To me, that's my, my top one because we deliver smiles and those are photos from my actual customers. I love that you took, you know, your whole thing was to spend time with your family and you brought them into your business and you just made it fun and you did it together. And I just think that is so cool. I know my daughters, they love that. They, they always say, we were having a, a dinner conversation the other day and you know what we were asking some of those questions from a book of questions you should ask each other as a family just for fun. And I said, you know, what's different about um, our family versus other families that you know? And uh, my daughter said, well, 
none of my friends' moms or dads are entrepreneurs. They don't um, like work from home like you do or make things or, you know, so uh, they don't get to travel with their kids on business trips and stuff like that. And so they actually realize that they're part of our business and part of our, our life, our work life, I guess you could call it. And it's really special for them. So I love that you just brought your kids right into this and you said, hey, we're doing this together and we're going to see the world together and we're going to build a brand together, multiple brands together. And it's, it's really cool. It looks like your kids had a lot of fun. They did at times. They did. And the other, the other lesson I wanted to teach my kids is don't work for a time clock. Don't work. Don't get paid by the hour. And so what I taught them here is that they were my talent. I paid them based on profits that those headphones would make us. And so I said, you spend 20 minutes, half hour, hour doing a video with me. And I track the profits on this product every month and I will pay you royalties on profits. And I taught them the, 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 of working smarter, right? Don't get paid by the hour, get paid by the quality of the work, you know? And if you do this good, you'll get paid more. So I wanted to teach them some other lessons as well. Um, and that was one of them that I think, I, I think they learned. Um, and I also, my daughter was extremely shy. I mean, that was the other thing is she was extremely shy as a little girl. She was in a dance. I mean, trying to make this a long story. She was in dance. And when they went out on stage, she froze and would not go out there. Um, and so she, here's this little girl all dressed up, wouldn't go on stage. Well, I got her in front of the camera one day and I said, we can just make as many mistakes as we want because we can edit it out. So let's just have fun. We're just going to talk. We don't even know the script. We'll script it in front of the camera, say it, and we'll do it again and again and again until we get it right. And that's the moment I think she broke out of her shell. She realized you can always get a duel. And I've got that video and that's, a, that's, that's, that's just a big memorable moment for me. Wow. What now she's on lesson. stages all the time doing cheer and in front of, you know, thousands of people sometimes. So she's, she broke out of that shell. All right. So I've got a couple more slides and I think I'm closer to the end here. This one is about branding. Okay. So one of the things, this was me learning how to add value again to my product. And you kind of got to start right to left, bottom to top. But in the beginning, I was just selling a product. I was selling DVD players, headrest DVD players for the backseat of a car, right? I'm selling to families going on a vacation. So this product's perfect for me. Um, I'm selling a product that I use. I'm selling a product that I, you know, I go on vacations a lot that I would use a lot. And so I know this product. My customers are going to be people just like me. Then I move in and I say, okay, let's, let's, um, pretty it up a little bit. Now it's auto-tained seven inch motorized DVD players, but then it's nine inch. Things have to get bigger, right? You're always having to one up yourselves with another product, another product, more features, bigger screen, um, and so on and so forth. But what I learned is if you look at the top right, I got the dream. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to call this the 7A anymore, or the 9B or the, the 101X, right? Those model numbers mean nothing to me. I'm, you know, Procter & Gamble has hundreds of brands. I'm going to have hundreds of brands, branded products. I went after Disney cruise ships. And so I named my products after the similar types of names. I have the green. And then I have the active, the activate. I have the joy, the magic, the epic. Those are all cruise ships from Disney names, most of those. And so I started branding it. And then I started going, instead of just adding the Autotain logo, I started putting my photos again on the products 
of our vacations. And so I get bigger, you go from right to left and you can kind of see the progression I did through my marketing and you know, um, product, um, product marketing ads and so on. And what I call this is long photocopy. This is my way of spending, uh, of, of working smarter, okay? People don't like to read when it's black and white on text, right? They never do. Bullet points are dead. I do this in a way that people can scan and get the, the amount of information they want with different colors, with different highlighting. So you've seen the long story, you know, long website, website where they call it long copy websites, right? This is the similar concept. I call it long photocopy advertising. And here I am, I will spend an entire week building these graphics. And I've got multiple graphics. This is just the, this is one graphic for each product that I have. But I have, I go down seven or eight graphics like this with, um, you know, more deeper features and so forth and benefits. And so I'll spend an entire week on a new product. Like that Mega 20 BM is a new one for this year of 2020. And I spent almost a week. I'm not quite done doing this. This is a new product for next year. And so um, I'll, I'll spend time, you know, getting photos, building this graphic, building the next six graphics. And then I do a video. And then we'll actually repurpose it in different ways and shapes and forms. And we'll put it out there. Um, and because I'll spend a week on this, this is a product that could make, you know, it, it'll pay for a year's salary. Okay. And so I don't have to spend time coming up with another product next week or another product next week or another product next week or, or one each day. Right. Instead of wasting, you know, spending a little bit of time on low margin, low dollar product, I pick a lot of time on one product. And I have to differentiate it because there's other ones like this. I have to put myself into the package and that's what I do. So every one of these products gets a DVD with me on it, showing them how to install it and how to use it. So I bundled myself into every package that my competitors can't do. And then obviously I add a few other accessories that they don't usually add as well. Um, so this is me working smarter. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Sorry, there was someone at my door and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't um, on, on, the, on the audio at the time. But yeah, I, I love all of the different, um, the different options that you had here and the different branding that you did. Um, and, and I love your, your focus on your differentiation and providing value to the customer. It's really good. If you're going to spend three to four to five hundred dollars on a product, you want to buy from somebody who really spent time trying to sell it to you. Make it look like you spent a lot of time on it, right? Make it look like you care. Make it look like you're passionate. You have to love your product more than they do, right? If they want to buy from somebody who loves their product, who was willing to spend the time to go into every little detail, but do it in a way that's easy to scan and, and capture as well. And that's what I'm trying to do here. All right. So um, now it's, it's the, I call it the next 10 years from now going forward, right? This is Brandon 3.0. Now, now 2.0 isn't dead. 1.0, I crashed and burned. 2.0 is alive. But 2.0, I'm selling DVD players, right? Okay, so when are DVD players going to die? It's a dying product line. I know that I can't sell DVD players forever and iPads and tablets and digital media, all these factors are you know, shrinking my market. And so I know I have to do something else. 
I still want to be in the e-commerce space. My kids are getting older. My daughter's in college. My son's going to be in a couple more years, right? I've got more free time. And so I want, to, I want to bite off something big here, and I want to build a legacy for me, right? What's my legacy besides my fam with my family, but in the e-commerce space? So Brandon 3.0 is simply this. I want to solve, I want to cure one of the biggest diseases uh, all e-commerce sellers have, right? I want to go after something big, right? This is something that nobody has solved to date, but I've seen it put a lot of e-commerce businesses out of business. And so I want to solve this. I want to cure this. I don't want to call it cancer, but I want to cure this disease, I suppose, that's killing e-commerce sellers. And it's a disease a lot of people ignore. Um, and I want to solve the customer returns business. E-commerce sellers, it's about a $30 billion industry. Customer returns online is over a $30 billion industry. And when you lose a, when you get a return back, you, it's like a dollar lost is a dollar lost. I mean, it's not like this, um, you, you're not, it's not like a margin thing, right? So when you get a product back and it's, it's more than that, right? You sell it. So you shipped it, you paid PayPal or market or credit card fees. You paid Amazon fees or eBay fees, marketplace fees, right? Now you get this back. Now you have to usually pay the return shipping, right? So now you just bought this worthless, doesn't, can't resell product for more than you paid for it originally. And most people just consider it a cost of doing business. Um, well, unfortunately that cost is growing and unfortunately that cost is putting people out of business. And so- um, Brandon, I have to say we have a, um, you know, we added liquidation to our new um, shopping and deal site, RebateJet, because of that because there are so many sellers that are forcing, uh, facing liquidation, either because of bad buying decisions, you know, um, or just because of the increased competition and, um, and just increased number of sellers and, and all of that. But we have a, um, we have a Facebook group just for like liquidations and wholesale and bulk lots. And it grows, it grows every day so fast. So we saw a huge growing problem with people needing to liquidate and, you know, people just asking in our groups, like, Hey, does any, can anyone, anyone want to buy this in bulk? Anyone want to, you know, this inventory that I have. And, uh, and so we added liquidation to our website rebate jet because of that. So I really think it's it's interesting that you've also kind of noticed that and that you're wanting to do something about it. And I think it's yeah, cool. liquidation and buying bad. I mean, uh, I've bought many things bad, so I know what that's like. Um, and and I've actually benefited from a lot of people buying things bad over the years, right? By by buying the liquidations. Um, but here <clears throat> here I'm focused on customer returns. So this is even a little bit deeper. You know, this is product that. Um, is, is, is used. It's got scratches. It doesn't work sometimes. It's missing parts, right? So all of your Amazon customer returns, um, Amazon likes to just push that aside. You know, hey, you, we can destroy it in the field. You don't have to return it. You know, there's not really a wonderful solution for this. And 40% of Amazon's third-party sellers are Chinese sellers. So they can't send it back to their factory. It just costs too much. Customs doesn't like to bring it in. Chinese customs actually blocks most of that stuff coming in. So you have to ship it to Hong Kong and then the Chinese factories have to send their techs down to Hong Kong to repair it and then ship it back to Amazon. So it's a huge cost burden for these companies. 
Chinese companies, but also U.S. domestic companies. Um, and it's a cost of doing business, which is too costly. So we have, we, what we do is we have people ship their customer returns. They set us up as the autumn, the default shipping address for all FBA unfulfilled inventory, unfulfillable inventory. And every week we get their product and it comes in. And obviously we, um, we work with the factories to get parts and pieces and accessories. And so we rebuild them. So 80% of customer returns are not defective. We test the product, we refurbish it with new, prop, new parts, new accessories, new boxes, and then we either send it back to Amazon for them, we ship it to a new customer for them, or we actually can resell it for them. So this is a problem that I'm becoming, I've become very passionate about. I've realized, hey, you know, this is the final frontier, you know, in my, in my book of um, something that needs a solution that doesn't exist yet. And I've created it. Um, and realizing when I tell sellers, hey, this is what we do. Send us your inventory and I'll write you a check after I sell it, you know? And they're like, whoa, I usually just write it off. You know, I'd, I'd be happy to make that back. And then we have companies who are my old competitors, DVD players. They're now my biggest customers. So my biggest competitors a year ago are now sending me their product. And I have tens, and tens of tens of thousands of dollars worth in my facility that we refurbish for them and we help them make their money back on. So what about, what about, um, I know many people are going on like hiremymom.com when they live overseas, as you mentioned, Chinese sellers, they can't really do anything with their returns. What about, um, people that like live in Australia and sell in Amazon us and have returns that they need to be kind of, um, taken care of. Do you guys do small quantity returns? Like if somebody just has one product and do you do any type of returns? So we, we started with electronics because we see the biggest need of repair. Um, but we now do yoga products. We now do children's toys. We now do pet products like pet carriers and stuff like that. We do 3D printers. We do DVD players. We do scooters. We do, we do a lot of electronics, but we're getting more and more non-electronic products. Obviously, but it's really wanna... focused on being able to actually kind of refurbish that product. So it needs to be something that can be somewhat refurbished or um, at least kind of checked and seen if it can be sell resellable. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like yoga products, a lot of this stuff coming back is not used. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't believe, oh, I know you would believe because you're in this business, but I, um, I, we check our own returns in, you know, we have our warehouse and and we, so much stuff isn't even opened. Mm -hmm. People just return it and it's, it's like brand new. It's, it hasn't even been opened or anything. And sometimes, you know, customers will put that it was damaged and it's not. And, you know, so do you guys ever deal with on the Amazon side where you get something that wasn't even open, isn't damaged at all. And then, um, you know, you help them report that to Amazon so that they don't get that against their um, kind of, I forgot what the, the metric is, but there's a metric there that makes you look bad if you have so many like defects rates, right? Like return defect rates. Um, so whenever we get something that the customer has marked damage or the customer has marked um, as, you know, there's something wrong with it or whatever, um, if it's brand new and they haven't even touched it and there's nothing wrong with it, we report that to Amazon because we don't want it to go against us um, is, you know, like we're selling products that aren't in good condition, for example. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. So the biggest thing for me that really kind of upsets me yeah, um, is uh, fraudulent returns. 
Yeah. So that you get a return back of another product. Like we do a lot of car DVD players. And so, you know, it's supposed to be like a $350, $400 branded product, but inside of it's the OEM factory radio that they pulled out to put our product into. And so they return that and get their money back. And so, or they do an, another, another brand that's older models. And so we get a lot of fraudulent returns. And so what we do for the, the seller in that case, our client, is our my, my team will take photos of everything. The labels, you get a photo of the shipping label, a photo of the product LPN label, you get a photo of the product on all four sides. And in our system, we'll call it an exception and say, hey, you know, you got somebody else's product, here's all your photos and information, go do a claim. And so they'll do a claim with Amazon's um, system and say, hey, we didn't get the right product back, give me my money back, and Amazon usually does. So we help our clients recover that loss when that happens. And you'd be surprised how often that happens. Um, and that's one of those things, that's another one of those problems I wanna help solve, is sellers who don't you know, return their products and they let Amazon destroy it. You took the hit, but you took a hit on you know, something that wasn't even yours. And so you know, it's like a double hit in my book. Makes sense. Um, and so this is what, this is my new thing. My, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of breaking some of my lifestyle business rules that I've been living with for the last 13 years. Right. Um, because I'm hungry. I'm, I've got a fire inside that I want to, I want to, I want to do something and make a mark in the world, right. In the e-commerce space. And this is me waking up, you know, and going, you know, getting in the saddle again and just riding it. So Brandon, who is your ideal customer or, you know, we've got a lot of Amazon sellers and e-commerce sellers as listeners. Um, you know, you've got this website back-track.com um, and they can email you at sales at back-track.com. Uh, and when I say dash, I mean the little dash sign, the little hyphen. Um, oh, it's not good for podcasting, but yeah. Yeah. And and so who should be contacting you? Is this anybody with any kind of return you, you recommend that they reach out to? Is there certain people, certain, not people, but certain returns that you're like, eh, we don't really deal with those. So, you know, but who is your ideal customer? Who would you, who are you out to help? And um, who should our listeners, um, who of our listeners should be contacting you for your help? Yeah, I mean, we, we've got a pretty open mind on this. You know, we're exploring. We want to see what this is like, right? And so um, we don't have limitations per se, hard, you know, etched in stone. We don't want food product. We won't want things that are expired. We won't want things that, you know, might have certifications but don't have them. You know, so there's, there's certain things, you know, um, we're going to stay away from, obviously. But that's a call that we can make. We can make that decision later on, right? So we're having people reach out to us and say, hey, here's what I've got. What do you think? And we, we will we'll make a go, no-go type of a decision. And, and we'll so it do doesn't that. cost them anything to send you some inventory and for you to check it out. Or maybe they don't even send it to you at first. They kind of can tell you about it and you can look at it. And so they send it to you and it says in your facts, $0 to start sell on Amazon, eBay, Google, Facebook, and more. So that's you that's selling it right? It's not them. So you're taking their returns and you're accepting them, refurbishing them, then you're selling that it for them. And then you're paying them 30% of net profit plus the wholesale price. 
Yep. And we, there's different scenarios. Yeah. And we'll pay them 50% of net profit if we're getting it that way. So we split the profits with them and we have no cost of goods. And our goal is just to recover as much as we can for them. So um, we write them a check. At the end of the month, we write them a check for the recovery fees that we made. And so they don't have to hire employees. They don't have to inspect the product. They don't have to rebox it. You know, they don't have to do all that work. I've kind of got a team of people now set up to do all that stuff. And we're doing it, obviously we're doing it in a scalable fashion. We're doing it to where we can do it faster, better than, than people who aren't designed to do this can so do. So now, are you selling it back on their listing as used? Only if they allow us. So okay. some clients are saying, yeah, go ahead. We don't mind because I'm paying them, right? I'm really selling it for them. They're getting half the money. So they don't have a problem with us doing that. Some companies, some of our clients say, no, keep it off Amazon, but sell it on eBay and websites and in the store and on Facebook, all those other places, but not on Amazon, you know? So it really is a client by client basis. Um, it really depends on what their, their, their needs are. Got it. So awesome. I mean, I think it's a win-win for everyone. And, um, you know, definitely there's so many people kind of dealing with returns. It's just part of the retail business, right? So um, it's really great to know that there's somebody that's dealing with this. And Kevin says that he loves this. Mm -hmm. So it's really great um, that everyone can, can have Backtrack as an option to kind of deal with their returns and have a win-win situation where they don't feel like, oh my gosh, what, what else can I do with this inventory? And I love, I love, love, love that you guys are using your decades of experience in e-commerce to sell it for them. So they're mm -hmm. not having to worry about, hey, you know, if you can sell it, sell it, and you're going to give me money and you're going to do all the work, great. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 it's pretty much a win-win. I mean, it's hard to lose in that scenario. Worst case scenario is we get product we can't sell. Okay, so then we liquidate it, but it's no different than them destroying it and field originally. Obviously, you know, there are, there are going to be certain types of products that we just won't do. I mean, we've said no a few times already. It just doesn't fit. But this model is set up to work with a lot of products. There's got to be some, some value left over, right? You know, USB cables aren't going to have any value left over. Um, there's going to be, you know, room for used refurbished products to resell. Um, and, you know, I, I am curious back about, back on that question of how you built your team in Bangladesh to do virtual assistance for you. Um, what made you think to, like, how did you find them? How did you find, how did you know to reach out? Was it just because you were already selling very globally and, um, not selling globally, but sourcing very globally. And you just kind of were like, well, I know there's people out there that will help me. How did you go about that, pulling that off? Okay. So there's a story there. And this is, this is, a, this is a good story. Um, I didn't find him. He found, he found me. You. Ah. So he, he reached, he reached out to me on Facebook, Brandon. I, you know, I'd love, I help, I help Amazon sellers, eBay sellers. I read your story. I saw your profile. I've been to your website. I really want to work for you. I'm like, oh, I really, I don't want a virtual, I didn't want a virtual assistant. I didn't really want, you know, I've had bad experiences in the past. Mm -hmm. I was like, ah, oh, I'll just figure out how to work smarter without him. And I said, no, thank you. A week later, Brandon, I really, really want to work for you. You know, you know, give me a chance. I'm like, no, I'm not interested. Thank you. A week later, Brandon, you know, he, he changed his story a little bit. I really want to work for you. I'm like, gosh, I love this guy's persistence. Yes. And I, and I love his pay, his politeness. 
very polite. But I don't blame you because I get messages like that all the time of like, I yeah, I'm a virtual assistant and I can help you. And it's like, okay, but you know, I, I need to be able to vet you and I really don't have time for that. So it's really, I'm, I'm interested to hear how you decided to go to give him a shot. So I finally decided, okay, I'm going to give this guy a shot. I'm going to give him a project and see how he does. Little he trial did. task. Yeah, he just did. He tried, he, 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 he passed that test with flying colors. And I got to know him. I got to work with this guy. And I was like, wow, I like doing, I like, this guy's got a great heart. Great, you know, he's very, he's very passionate about things that you got to admire. And he told me his story. He's like, you know, I don't know if this is even true at the, at the time, right? He tells me the story. He goes, my dad's got cancer. I'm trying to support my family. I've got my, you know, my, my parents living with me, my wife, my daughter, my young daughter, baby, you know, one or two years old. He goes, I've got to support my family. My dad's on his deathbed with cancer. I want to make him proud of me before he dies. And I didn't know if that was a real story or not at the time, but it, it, you know, it caught my attention. And I said, you know, I'm going to give this guy a chance. And he goes, can you write me a letter that you're hiring me? And I'm like, okay, I'll do that for you. It's not going to hurt. Right. And I did that. And he gave it to his dad and he was, he, he felt like he owed me for the rest of his life. That's all I had to do is write a letter saying I'm hiring. And he's like, Brandon, I owe you for the rest of my life after seeing how my dad looked when he got that letter. Um, and, and so that was the beginning of a good relationship. You know, he, he brought in more employees. He, um, he, he helped build me my team. And he was obviously the key manager of that process. And we got to know each other quite a bit. And, and over the years, um, I didn't have as much need for him. I couldn't keep him as busy as I was in the beginning when I was building stuff. And so I was like, you got to go, you know, your passion is helping people like health wise. And so he actually, I, I'm like, you don't owe me for the rest of your life. Don't feel like you owe me. You've already paid me back in spades. You know, even though I paid him for work, I go, you paid me back by quality work. Don't feel like you owe me. And I said, go free, you know, fly. And, and so he's been out there helping cancer patients back in Bangladesh is his, his mission. And so I feel like, um, he had his time with me and, and I had my time with him and it's, we're still friends today, but I don't really use their service anymore. I don't need to. Got it. So, um, I think that this is an incredible story and, uh, and you've just kind of overcome so many things. One thing that I really took away from your, uh, presentation was, how you kind of came up with your own formula to success and you made that happen. You had your own vision board and you said, this is going to be the formula that I'm going to make happen. Um, so I just, I really appreciate that. Um, I would love to end on the note of what is your advice for, um, what is your advice for any new sellers that are out there that are trying to make it happen? And you know what, maybe they're, they're trying the wholesale model and they're not really getting things moving. Um, you know, what, what is your main motivation and what do you suggest for anybody who might be on that, that sticking point right now? Like, Hey, should I continue with this? Is this for me? And, and how, how is, uh, how should they succeed in, in e-commerce? So, um, yeah, I mean, my first piece of advice is, um, you have to be, you know, obviously this is old school stuff, really. You have to be passionate about what you're doing. If you're not passionate, you're not going to work hard and push through those hard times. You're not going to go above and beyond the minimum. 
You have to be passionate. So you have to do something that's within your realm of passion. And then you have to, you have to be the brand. You are the brand, whether you hide behind it or not, you're the brand. And if you hide behind it, you're not a brand, right? You have to be the brand. You have to be inside your package. Your customers are buying from you. You have to be a piece of that, that product, so to speak. And so those are the two things that if you don't meet those two minimum requirements, you're just, you're just in my opinion, you're always going to be spinning your wheels. You're always going to be in that hamster wheel. Um, you can't add value unless you are the value, you know, in some ways, whether it's your smarts or whatever. And so those two pieces are important. But if you're in the early stages of business, so I'm in my early stages of backflip, right? And I have to remember what those early stages of sell to all were like back in the 1998. And I have to remember what my early stages of on fair were like, you know? And I'm like, okay, I've done this twice. With, you know, this is kind of a third go at it, even though the second one's still going. But um, what, what things do I have to remind myself of? And in the beginning, the first year, I call it the heavy lifting stage, right? You're just working so hard to get something moving forward. You're working far harder than you're being rewarded for. Usually you're not getting paid very well for the time you're putting into it. And um, you've got to build this, you've got to test, you've got to you know, reiterate, you've got to test again. And that's what I've been doing with Backtrack for the last year is testing my sales pitch, testing who my target audience is building a process within our shop and operations, right, with my business partner. And we've been doing a lot of heavy lifting. And we're not, we're not getting paid well for the time we're putting into this so far. But we're starting to get momentum and we're starting to gain traction, get that flywheel turning. And I told my business partner just a couple days ago, I said, we're at the V1 stage. And he goes, what's that? I said, the V1 stage is when an airplane is taken off on a runway. And this airplane has its jet engines going at full speed using a lot of energy and a lot of resources just to get it moving an inch and then a foot and then, you know, 10 feet and so forth. That's a lot of heavy lifting. And the V1 stage is when the airplane is too far down the runway going too fast that if an engine blows, it cannot abort. The V1 stage is when the, the pilot is committed to taking off and no matter what happens because he can't stop the plane. And my business has passed the V1 stage. We're not closing this backtrack. We've got momentum. We've done the heavy lifting. And I said, we're getting close to our V2 stage now. And a V2 stage is when the airplane has enough speed, velocity, and momentum to pull up. Okay? And a lot of sellers never get there. They, they stop at the V1 stage because they've done all this work and they don't see the rewards. I've worked so hard. I get paid so little. I don't know what I'm, you know, I don't, I don't see a result here. And um, I, told my, I told my business partner, now we run faster. And he's like, what do you mean? We got to work longer hours? And I go, no, this is not the heavy lifting stage. Running faster is scale. This is when we start getting more employees and our employees are working more and harder for us. And instead of, you know, a few people, you've got more people. So you're, you're, you're running faster. You're getting more done in the same amount of time because you've got scale and, and resources. And we're in the running faster stage, which is the V2 stage. And that's, you know, you can read the book from Seth uh, Godin, uh, The Dip. It would be similar. You know, you see these dips and a lot of people give up. And I, and, a lot of, and I see that all the time. And I've been there myself multiple times now. Don't quit before the dip. Yes, exactly. There are so many businesses that quit too early. Because if you study the retail business model, you'll realize that most businesses aren't profitable until after the first year and a half to two years. 
And people say, well, I'm not making any money. I quit. And they don't do the numbers. They don't run the numbers and realize like after they get beyond that, it's very profitable and they're going to be making plenty of money after that. But it's just getting past that hump is so important, you know, and so many businesses quit before they get past that hump. So uh, it's, it's but you have to have that advice. passion. You've got to have that passion or you won't fight through this part. And yes. not every business is the same, but that's, you know, you've got to grind, you've got to hustle, you've got to heavy lift. That's why we always say, you know, and I always say this on coaching calls, I say, well, you know, if you don't really care about your product and you don't care about what you're doing, you've just created another job for yourself that you don't even like. Yep, exactly. So why would you want to spend the rest of your life doing something that you don't even like when you're already in a job that you're trying to get out of that you don't even like? So I think a lot of people to get this appeal of, well, the freedom of, you know, being working from home or, you know, making this money and they don't realize like, okay, wait, but I actually have to work to get there. And if I don't like what I'm doing, if I'm not passionate about it, it's not going to be fun. Yeah. If you're, if you're doing it to make money, you're never going to, you're never going to achieve your goal. Yeah. You got to follow your passion. So I love that Brandon. It has been so great having you. We loved having your story. Thanks everyone for listening. And, um, and you know, you can contact Brandon. We'll have it in the show notes, but you can contact him at his website at back-track.com. And, um, and I'm sure Brandon would love to help you make some money off your returns. Absolutely. So, <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks again. And we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.